elevates trusting all is well well is all this is your host sherry also known as shy and we are here at elevated frequencies where you maintain your visual to be deeply unlocked in order to tap into your confidence it's time to get back into the reading y'all we are reading legend born by tracy dion and uh just a quick recap Bree has now been initiated um, into the Legendborns. She is going through the transitions and everything of that sort and getting hit with some shit now. Like, shit is really getting real. Um, and a hellhound has now interrupted, or not even interrupted, but has now invaded the ceremony, even though it ended. But it's, it's, it's just about to get more real. There were a lot of things happening at the end of last week. Um, so let's kind of just get back into it. For new listeners, please just go back um, and listen to the, the first few chapters um, up until chapter 13. We are going to continue reading chapters 13 and 14. While everyone springs into action, I'm frozen, trembling. I thought they were rare. Thought for some reason that I wouldn't see another one not when when I was with the legend born like this not while just looking for information I thought this was a ritual initiation hazing at best not Davis fires off orders in rapid succession and it's like a bomb goes off in the crowd awaken scions and squires to the front the rest in formation behind them Pages, back to the lodge. Stillness explodes into action, and bodies scatter in several directions at once. Soldiers rushing to battle positions. The next moments seem to pass in slow motion. The legendborn toss their robes off without hesitation and move with practiced military precision into two defensive rows. Five stand at the back, pulling out weapons from harnesses, scabbards, and hidden straps daggers, extendable quarterstaffs, and swords. Sarah and Tor string identical bows. Only three unarmed kids move to the front. The the gentle-faced boy who assaulted Nick in the foyer, Fitz, and a tall boy with red hair. I squint, trying to make out the red-haired boy's face, because something about him is familiar. When he turns around, I realize it's because I know him. He's Evan Cooper, Charlotte's boyfriend. The primitive part of my brain pleads with me to run to the lodge with others as fast as I can. But I can't look away from the three legendborn boldly facing the darkness. Empty hands thrust out at their sides. What are they thinking? Where are their weapons? With the whooshing sound of a backdraft, Mage Flame appears in each of the three boys' palms. It circles in a smoky whirlpool, then climbs up their arms like iridescent snakes. In between one second and the next, the Aether solidifies into weapons into their hands. Fitz and Evan hold identical shining swords. 
The gentle-faced boy holds two glowing daggers, the length of my forearms. But the mage flame climbing their bodies isn't done. I watch, breathless, as it flows over their shoulders and legs, solidifying into gleaming plates of silver. Aether crawls up their throats and falls across their sternums until it becomes chainmail. On their arms, the smoke hardens into terrifying gauntlets. Armor. Aether armor. From the opposite direction, another howl rises. My blood runs cold. Not just one hellhound, but two? Split formation! Davis yells. The boy with the daggers dashes to the, dashes to the other side of the chapel calling for three other legend born to follow. Bree! Nick steps into my vision, blocking the armored boys from sight. What are you still doing here? Get back to the lodge, now! I pivot away from the clearing, but the other pages have disappeared into the woods. I should have followed them. I have no idea how to get back. No idea which direction to run. Nick realizes this at the same time that I do and points his sword behind me. That way, run, don't stop. I sprint full speed into the forest, adrenaline rushing through my veins. I can barely see, but I keep going. I crash through brush. Brayers scrape at my face and arms. I stumble. Shouts echo behind me as a legendborn take on the hounds. Another howl. Silence. I turn. Did they kill the demons? Is it over? Suddenly, the stench of mold and warm stagnant water overtakes me. It clings to the back of my throat. The smell of rotten wood and dying things. Things that haven't seen light in a long, long time. I cover my mouth. I, a sound comes from my left, like a log breaking. When I turn, two bottomless red orbs appear in the darkness a foot from my face. Glowing lanterns made of blood. One blinks, then the other. Not lanterns. Eyes. I scream and stumble backward. Then a voice, the nauseating sound of bones cracking deep and sharp. You will help us. Terror condenses to a sharp point. I pivot, but the eyes appear in front of me. A ten-foot-tall, hulking shape steps through the trees. At first, I think the shape is an enormous human, but the movements are all wrong. Their joints bend in the wrong places. In the sliver of light from above, I see a broad chest and thick limbs covered with moss. An iridescent, shiny green liquid pours out of open gashes on molted skin. A face stretches across a bulbous, swollen head. Two long strips of rotting flesh connect gaping jaws. Their tongues lash back and forth like a snake tasting the air. The demon hums in satisfaction. Yes, 
you will help us. I lunge to the side, but the demon moves too, faster than I can track, so that they face me from the new angle, their head tilted to the side as if waiting for my response. I think fast, heart hammering inside my chest. I can't outrun this demon, that much is clear. Which way would I go if I could? Wherever I am, I'm closer to the legendborn than I am the lodge. This demon doesn't seem to want to eat me like the hellhound did, yet at least. I take a sliding step in the direction of the clearing, but keep my eyes on the creature. I ask, help you? Are you, you sure I'm the best person for that? Lips pull back in a hungry smile, exposing two rows of black teeth that curl back like Sith. Yes, they state, and lunge before I can make a sound. The demon slings me over their shoulder like a sack of yams, jerking my body around so much my head spins. A squishy hot arm wraps around the back of my knees, holding me in place. A scream builds up in my throat, but I gag on the putrid putrid stench steaming from their body. There's a blur. Then an abrupt stop that sends my chin crashing into the demon's wet spine. I gag again. Mildewed slop clings to my face. Before I can orient myself, the demon pulls me down and around until I'm hanging like a doll, feet swinging off the ground. I struggle, but they only pull tighter, cutting off my breath in one sharp motion. I can't get enough air. We're back at the chapel, where the eight Legendborn and Lord Davis have cornered the second hellhound. Fitz and Nick have just speared it through when the demon holding me emits a hellish scream. Pendragon! Everyone turns at once. Nick's father shoots his son a silencing glare and steps forward. Davis fingers the grip of a long sword and a scabbard at his side, a weapon that he'd hidden beneath his robe. Why have you come, Yuko? Which of you is the Pendragon? Davis keeps his voice easy, calm, a southern gentleman simply, simply greeting a newcomer. I am who you seek. His eyes flick to me. You have one of our pages. Let the girl go and we'll talk. Just you and me. The demon's teeth clack against one another in a chittering pattern like they are displeased. She will be easy to take apart, deceiver. Razor sharp nails drag a burning path down my cheek, slicing my skin open. I scream. Stop! Nick shouts, already moving forward. The hand at Davis's side clenches into a fist. It must be a signal, because the other legendborn move in tight around Nick, locking him into place, guarding him. Rage blooms across his face. The demon points at Nick with one dripping claw. 
he is who we seek. We, David says, curious concern crossing his expression. Give him to us, legendborn. The demon's hand tightens slowly around my chest and black pain threatens to take over my my vision one of my ribs is bending bending i don't think so davis darts forward pulling his blade as he runs but he's nowhere near fast enough there's another blur and then the demon has the older man by the throat with one large hand while still gripping me with the other. Davis's sword drops to the stone with a loud clatter. No! Nick yells, pushing against Russ and Fitz both. His elbow flies into Fitz's nose, knocking the other boy down, but Evan takes Fitz's place before Nick can break out of the circle. Blood from an injury streams down Evan's forehead, but he stands firm. The demon lifts Davis high in the air. Nick's father scrabbles at the demon's grip with both hands, wheezing for breath, eyes bulging. The color in his face goes red, redder. I will kill both of them while you watch, Pendragon. The demon snarls, squeezing Davis so much the man turns purple. And then I will take you. You talk far too much. A voice comes out of nowhere. I never thought I'd be happy to hear that voice. Cell drops onto the demon's back, wrapping his opponent in a headlock. The demon roars, dropping me to the ground and flinging Davis across the clearing. Nick's father hits a tree with a stomach-turning crunch and falls to the stone surface in a loose pile of limbs. I scramble backward just missing the stomp of one enormous foot. The demon grabs at Cell's back and hair, trying to dislodge him, but Cell hangs on tight, his face tucked away from their claws. A pair of strong arms loop under my armpits and haul me up and away from the fray. To my surprise, it's Sarah, the pixie girl. Stay back, she urges once we're far enough. Then she runs over to where half of the group, Nick included, have gathered at Davis's side. Nick's father is not moving. Oh God. The demon and Cell brawl in a blur of black and green. No one else dares to enter the fight. And why would they? No one else could keep up. When the two opponents lunge for each other, the force of their collision makes the earth shake. They twist and roll on the ground fists connecting in deep thuds. After a few minutes, Cell's shirt is torn and darkened with slime and sweat. The demon kicks at Cell's chest and the Merlin goes flying. Cell hits the ground with both feet in a sliding crouch. A feral grin crosses his face. He launches himself back at the creature like a bullet. The sight turns my stomach. Nick's father could be dead and Cell's enjoying himself. Hold him steady. Back at the tree, 
The boy who had daggers presses his hand over Davis's chest. A light film of silver liquid covers his fingers. As I watch, the liquid spreads down onto the man's shirt. A heartbeat later, Davis gasps awake. Steady, the boy orders. Not done. William, I think. Their healer. William continues to work on Davis, but the relief around him is palpable. Nick's father is live. Everyone is so focused on Lord Davis that no one notices Nick until it's too late. He bears down on the brawl, his father's sword in his hands. Cell has the demon on the ground, one foot on the creature's chest, an aether blade at their throat. You nearly cleared my father, Nick shouts, fairy turning his face to, his voice to iron. The demon chitters eagerly. The boy approaches. Let him come. Welp. I. A squelching hissing sound from the press of Cell's blade and the creature is silenced. I have this, Nicholas. Cells uh, keeps his eye on, on his captive. Back off. Let me do my job. Nick ignores Cell's warnings and swings, his blade arcing toward the demon's face. With a sharp twist, the demon breaks Cell's ankle, moves, shoves the Merlin aside. Nick's, swirl, Nick's sword descends. The demon meets it with one hand, the blade digging deep, and clenches Nick's throat with the other. Nick pulls at the creature's fingers, gurgling, gasping. The demon stands, snarling in a flash of triumph, lifting Nick high, then slams him into the silver stone. His body goes still. I'm running. I barrel into the demon just as Cell swings Nick's sword. Together, we send the body in one direction and the head in another. Woo! That was the end of chapter 13, guys. But we're going to continue it on with chapter 14. I told y'all I got y'all. So let's continue on. But that was really good. Woo! Chapter 14. Nick, his father, and Evan aren't the only injured. I stand in the corner of the lodge's basement infirmary, infirmary and watch two second ear pages dash back and forth between five metal tables. Nick's on the one closest to me. His father is next to him. Evan's in the middle, and Victoria lies at the end. I didn't even know that Tor had been hurt. Her chest had been sliced open by a hound, and there's blood splattered across her blue dress and over her pale cheeks. Still, she's in better shape than the Davis men. Lord Davis's spine is broken in two, two places. Nick's skull is cracked. I should have moved faster, struggled harder against the Yukul, got into Nick before he went into the deep after the demon himself. The infirmary is William's domain. He strides between the tables, his hands coated in silver aether to so thick it looks like mercury. The bright citrus smell of his aether signature fills the room.
there's a pattern. He starts with the life-threatening injuries first and spends a few minutes murmuring in a fluid, lyrical language that I don't understand. He stands over their bodies while aether drips down into their wounds and disappears into their skin. Then he walks away and closes his eyes, murmuring another incantation that pulls aether from the air again. It coats his fingers and the cycle starts over. I look down at my hands. They haven't stopped trembling. When we returned to the lodge, the group had dispersed. Most of the pages were sent home. Rush went to check on Felicity. After confirming that she was still asleep, a common recovery from awakening, I'm told, he came down to wait with me and offered me a sweatshirt. I put it on because I didn't know what else to do. He asked if I'd like to go upstairs and take a shower. I don't remember what I said, but he left me alone after that. I look at the infirmary walls and wonder why they aren't green, like the small room at the hospital. Then, because my defenses are down, I'm at the hospital again. The nurse is there, and the Merlin, and my mother is gone before I could say goodbye. I squeeze my eyes shut and count to ten until it is three months later, until I'm back in the infirmary at the lodge. Where is he? Sal bursts through the door like an unholy angel in a long black coat, his eyes blazing like twin suns. If he notices the two pages slipping out behind him with fear written all over their faces, he doesn't say anything. William's voice is even but firm. He's stable, but he's not awake. Sale. Sale! Sale strides over to Nick, and there's not even a hitch in his step. Did William heal his ankle already? Sale examines Nick where he lies. Nick's shirt is cut open, exposing his chest and stomach. His usually handsome open face is pale and pinched. He hasn't opened his eyes since we arrived. You better not die, Davis, Sal orders. Not now. Sal. William steps towards Sal, his silver-coated hands raised up like doctors. Nick is stable, he repeats. He will recover. Lord Davis, on the other hand, is not stable yet. I need to keep treating them both and everyone here, and you're not helping with that. Sale glances over to Evan's table, and the muscles in his jaw clench. He can't die either. None of the squires or the science, scions. We know, Sale. Russ runs his hand through his hair. This is the ninth attack in what, two weeks? And the first yokel spotted in years, Fitz says from where he leans against the doorway beside Sarah. That pack didn't come to feed or infuse themselves with Aether. They came with a purpose, Sel retorts. They knew we'd be gathered tonight, knew we'd scatter, and knew the scion of Arthur would be there. How? Russ scoffs. Shadowborn don't know anything. They're too brainless to think, less, much less plan. 
Did you not see the Yukul Copeland? The tips of his hair start to singe and smoke. Only a Yukul can command ISIL to work together. And that's exactly what happened tonight. You underestimate the greater demons at your peril and at the peril of your cyan, whose life you will soon be oath to protect. Russ winces and turns away. Cell turns to go, but spots me and stops. When he speaks, his voice is precise, dangerous. What is she doing here? Sarah steps forward. Bree was taken hostage by the Yoko cell. She's covered in slime, frightened half to death. Take it easy, will you? I'm surprised by her defense of me, someone she doesn't know. She even tried to save Nick, she added. Cell's gaze hardens. And we're to assume it was just coincidence that the Yuko came back with her in her arms? I tried to help. I hate how small my voice sounds. Hate that it sounds like how I feel. I tried to. You tried to what, little girl? Unlike everyone, unlike everyone else's shoes on the hard white tile, Cell's feet makes no sound as he advances on me. Help! Help who? Nick or the Yuko? I shake my head, though it does nothing but make me dizzy. Nick, I... I... Sell win! Sarah warns. Leave her alone! But he's already in front of me. Standing so close, his gaze rains down on my face like embers. The air between us starts to cook, forcing a gasp from my lips. Fear flutters, collides with memories. I know this moment. I've been here before. Been in the hospital and wanted nothing else but to run away. I didn't do it then, and I won't do it now. Cell leans down until his mouth is by my ear. His breath billows against my cheeks. Burnt cinnamon and smoke. There is a lie about you, Paige Matthews. If I find out that you are a part of this, I wasn't. I grit out. He bares his teeth, then whirls away. Where's Pete? Patrolling with third and fourth of your pages, Russ answers. Looking for more. No, Cell murmurs. The Shadowborn have made their play tonight. There won't be more. Stay put, Copeland. I'll administer the warrior's oath between you and Felicity as soon as she wakes up. Cell pulls on the collar of his jacket with one hand and points at me with the other. I want her gone. She doesn't belong here. He sweeps through the door and leaves the room in shaky silence. The worst part about that guy is that you're never really sure if it's safe to talk shit about him behind his back. Russ remarks with a frustrated sigh. Sarah smacks his arm. What? It's true. Sarah turns to me, her eyes equal parts worry and apology. Sorry about Sale. He's protective. You do belong here. You're one of us now. I look away, because that's just the thing. I'm not one of them. 
She frowns and moves closer to examine my cheek. You'll get to Bree's face, won't you, William? Of course, William mutters, his head bent low over Evan's forehead. Let me triage Squire Griffiths. Even in chastisement, amusement colors the healer's words. William stands up to sell, who somehow listens to him, and teases Sarah, who stands up for me. I decide I like them both. Too bad a pang of guilt follows. Cell is wrong about me working with Shadowburn, but he's not wrong about me lying. Eager to get the, t- the attention off of me, I change the subject. What was that monster? I thought demons looked like animals or... Sarah shakes her head. If Isles, the lesser demons are strong enough to go full corp, they look like animals or the creatures you see in the ancient temps. Imps with horns, tails, but the Yukels are greater demons. Less mischief, more murder, and strong enough to go corp as soon as they cross over. They look, she hesitates, shares a glance with William that I can't decipher. More human. Russ leans against a wall and crosses his arms. If you believe the old tales, the most powerful yukul, the Gorukul, can even pass for human. Walk hidden among us and all that. A cold dagger of fear cuts through me. Cell had called me an ukul a few hours ago. He thinks I'm one of them, passing as human, here to harm Nick and the rest of the chapter. Breath leaves my body in a silent exhale. Demons that pass for human, Fitz rolls his eyes. Scary stories to tell kids at night, legend and lore. William tuts without looking up. We are legend born and lorn, Scion Baldwin. Fitz makes a rude gesture in response. Why did they want Nick? I whisper. William pauses with his hands over Evan. The four legend born look at me then one another. Rush stands up straight because he's our king, or he will be, formally, when he's awakened. If he's awakened, Sarah says. Fitz scoffs a red flush, building at his collar. You really think it's an if, Saw? We're called in order. Flick's line is fourth, which means the sign of K-Up at Northern must have been called recently too. And Lord Davis didn't bother to tell us. Tor and the line of Tristan will be next. Then the kid at Western and the line at Lancelot. Then number one, Nick. And boom, Camlin. Rush shakes his head. Come on, man, don't exaggerate. Exaggerate? You think I'm exaggerating? Vitt's eyes filled with scorn. The scion of the line of Lamorak, your scion, has awakened. Welcome to our reality, Squire Copeland. You high-ranked kids get to play around and pretend we're not actually at war, while the rest of us are awakened and dying every other year. 
Fury contours his features. Camlin is coming, whether you want to believe it or not. No one says anything for a long moment. In the silence, I ask, what is Camlin? Fitz whistles, shaking his head. I don't care if he is king. Somebody's going to have to give Nick Davis a talking to. Bringing a page forward without telling her shit is how pages get dead. You'll have fun with Legendborn 101. I'm out. His anger steps echo in the, down the hallway. Nick's told me things, I say, barely keeping the defensiveness from my voice. I edge towards Nick's table to watch his chest rise in shallow, short breaths. Just not everything. William's aether dissolves into Evan's forehead, and he stands with a sigh, speaking directly to me for the first time. Well, now is a good time, good a time as any to catch you up. And that is the end of chapter 14, guys. So just a quick wrap-up summary. So they were getting attacked by demons. And those are considered shadowborn. So there was two hellhounds and a yukul. Nick's father is now in critical condition. Nick is stable. Bree is being... Definitely targeted by Cell. Cell feels something is going on, but he just can't put his finger on it. But I, I just wonder what really Brie has going on. I, I really want to figure out if she is a part of the Shadowborn. And that's like a good starting open-ended question. Um, Next week, we will be reading chapter 15 see how long it is and if anything we can read chapter 16 too but it looks like 15 is pretty lengthy so i'm just going to read chapter 15 next week and um we're just going to keep diving in until this this book is over i hope you guys continue to enjoy make it a great day and give yourself an opportunity to unwind it's okay stay true stay you Namaste.